Hello, Pod Nutsians. Welcome to The Makers, episode 15. Again, this is Door to Door Geek, owner president of Pod Nuts. This is a show all about building, breaking, learning. Uh, we get together each week, talk about uh, things that we did, things that we wanted to do, things that we did, and then absolutely had epic fails. Uh, joining us tonight, we have um, uh, Aaron from Oregon, and I'm going to say that right for now on. I keep telling myself, uh, how's everything going, man? Uh, great. I uh, really appreciate you actually saying the right uh, pronunciation for once. And uh, <laughs> so, no, um, breaking, let's see, making, breaking, everything above. Uh, making, I made um, a large um, Halloween project we'll talk about later. Um, breaking, I broke my 3D, uh, 3D printer power supply and uh got a new one from that and yeah that's about it i mean nothing too exciting here what about you guys how are you doing very cool yeah i'll say to me halloween is almost perfect for designing and making because you 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 can really do a lot of things go wild and go crazy uh this week we're also joined by chad hey chad how's everything going did you build break or learn anything okay yeah sorry about that um yeah, I've done quite a bit of stuff. Uh, almost too much to talk about, but <clears throat> I've made some pretty cool tables and been just building stuff. Not so much breaking, trying to figure out that new printer I got. Um, it's not going the greatest, but uh, we'll talk about that later. So, all right. Gotcha, gotcha. Good to uh, hear from you. Glad to hear you're busy. Uh, we're also joined this week by um, James. H- how's everything going, man? Did you build, break, or learn? All of the above. Um, broke a $90 lens on my laser. <laughs> um, learned, uh, well, I learned how to unscramble a bunch of stuff I messed up in a CAD model I've been working on. Um and uh, as far as making, I'm working on a prototype for Singularity Computer's next case, which is going to be like this cool, like manifold, liquid cooling manifold case with the liquid cooling built in all like integral. Um, so, yeah, I've been pretty busy, actually. Um, breaking the laser kind of sucked, but I got a new lens in it. Uh, I got a little bit of dust in there and the dust heated up. Um, and toasted my lens. So <laughs> I guess I got to watch for that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, knowing how it happened, I don't want to say helps, but at least, you know, what happened kind of thing. Um, I will say CAD software seems to be finicky is the best word I can describe for it. And when you learn those little workflow techniques, they actually really do help you in the long run. Yeah. This one, it's like, I did something minor wrong early on. And then I built like seven gigabytes of data on top of that. (laughs) So, yeah, when I went back to fix it, it broke all kinds of stuff. Took me two days to get back to where I was at, which that's not typical. Usually you do something wrong and you can fix it pretty quickly. But yeah, not in this case. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, We're also joined by um, Jonas. How's everything going, man? Okay, he's uh, getting prepped and ready. Uh, hey, hey, Liam, uh, did you do any uh, building, breaking, or learning? In now that the the, the the listeners, I don't think we've heard from you for a couple weeks, so you've had to have been busy. Oh no, I was clearly here last week. Um, I think I was visiting Aaron. 
last week. Yeah, I was traveling. Um, yep, right here. <laughs> I I can't think of anything specifically offhand that I've broken. I know I've broken some stuff though. Um, I have been doing a lot of making. I printed out oh, two hundred of a thing for an event a couple weeks back. Um, I finally got my CR10 working properly as well as the ANET AM8 now. Um, all of the machines I've got are working proper at the moment, so give it a minute. That'll change. I was going to say, like, all the planets are aligned, your chakras are all in even keel, and then all of a sudden, something's going to go boom. Yeah, I was about or to say, he'll you just have said that out loud. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll chance the fates. Bring it on. What you got? Exactly. Um, I have, honestly, this is maybe the quietest week and a half, two weeks my 3D printer has had since. Um, uh, I have to email uh, Tony back. Tony was the guy that said, I have a uh, simple, easy job. Tell your son to do it. I'll give him money to give him a head start into doing business, open up his own like online store kind of thing. And he must have read one too many demotivational posters. And he is like completely now out of it i am literally a microscopic nanometer away from uninstalling my minecraft from the nintendo switch because he won't stop playing it and he's doing nothing else except that i got a switch huh yeah he just won't stop playing it and he went and bought um mario rabbits kingdom battle bought the season pass spent 80 bucks total played it for two and a half days and then just hadn't touched it in, in over a week um learning i will say i have not been able to find i've looked a little bit i haven't been able to find an actual demonstration of how to put a t-shirt on a bed to do the uh 3d printing on a shirt making your own custom shirts the only reason is this filament is more expensive than normal filament so i don't want to waste a lot of it kind of thing so i would like to see somebody do it from setup to printing uh so I'm a little bit more confident what I'm doing. Um, I have to just decide what to do. And uh, I know me and Chad were at least talking offline. And to start, it just needs to be a Pod Nuts logo of some sort just for simplicity. Um, I did make another uh, a 3D printed wallet, slim wallet case uh, downloaded from Thingiverse. And there was a reason for that because I had to. Because the last one I had had some kind of uh, basically flaw at one level of the printing which called which caused it to basically cleanly fracture on the print line um so i had to do re reprint that tried something different and i will say i did learn something in that so that definitely helped me out a lot so on the shirt do you mean the actual attaching the fabric to the bed part well what i'm assuming is you simply because i have the binder clips the alligator clips on the four edges of the um, uh, printer. I'm assuming you basically just pull the clips up, you put the shirt underneath that, and you put the clips back down. And my logic is, you don't want the shirt to be actually stretched out, but you don't want it to be loose either. There's that happy middle ground. And then I'm going to guess I should adjust my Z-axis so it's a touch further away from my bed to compensate for the thickness of the shirt. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, that's one situation where I'm going to say the bad word hairspray might actually work out really well because you could lay the shirt on so that it's just flat. You're not stretched. It's not crinkling, but it has something to stick it to the bed. 
Like also oh, hairspray. hairspray. Yeah, so hairspray under the shirt, between the shirt and the bed. Yep. So hairspray on a like cold plate, put the put the um, shirt on there, and then heat it up. Um, I haven't gotten around to printing on fabric yet, but I'm going to start with some scrap, like some rags or some even handkerchiefs, maybe, just to test, and then I'll move on to actual shirts. Yeah, it seems like I, you could uh, make a little frame or something that went around your bed if that didn't work to kind of click down over it. That wouldn't be too hard. Like, you know, like people do with, they embroider stuff. They just kind of stretch stuff out a little bit. Yeah, an embroidery hoop that's big enough or like a square one that's big enough that you could just set on top of there. That would be great. Yeah, an embroidery rectangle kind of frame that just, you know, was just uh, the right size to kind of push down over the edges of the bed or something would be perfect. Well, I do have uh, plain white shirts already, and I do already have the filament in hand. I ordered, I think it was four or five rolls while we were doing the show because it looked that damn cool. Um, so it, it's literally just a question of taking up a very, like we have the test cube to test the, you know, 3D printing aspect of it. I just need like a simple little uh, uh, cube, uh, uh, 2D cube or something, you know, just to do a quick little test print. Because my logic is the first time I doubt I'm going to get everything lined up right. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. That's going to be the hard part is getting everything squared up properly. Um, If you have somebody in your life that does sewing, borrow a a chalk marker from them or chalk. Yeah, whatever it is uh, Uh, to draw on fabric. Yes, fabric marker. Thank you. Yeah, they're kind of like so that you can so that you can lay it out before you stick it on there because once you stick it on the print bed you're gonna be like yeah it looks square and then it's not gonna be i got a feeling that this is gonna be something you're gonna do four or five times before you get it right i think you're gonna be testing this thing out yeah it wouldn't shock me at all because just like anything else with these this is i don't want to say new frontier because that's over exaggerating it but this is a new first time for me doing any of these kind of things so i'm sure failure is it isn't about it being a, an option. It's inevitable. The only question is how big of a failure it's going to be. That's why I want to print just a simple test thing, like a little circle or something, just to get an idea of, you know, stiction. How well is that going to fit kind of thing? I think Liam may be right with the um, test fabrics, the hankies or whatnot, like handkerchiefs, because they're thin. But you will probably have to play with your Z offset a little bit on that. Anchorchip might be good just because it's a uh, more flat material. It's not as spongy as a t-shirt. Well, but if I'm going to end up printing on a t-shirt, I keep thinking I should test on a, a similar thickness and grade of fabric. Well, I mean, you could pick up jersey material sheets, like a flat sheet for six bucks at Walmart, and then have like 15 t-shirts worth of material and cut it into squares. And you've got binder clips on your printer already. So you could almost just, you know, flip it under the binder clip and that should hold it in place and play with your Z offsets. And if you're using TPU, you just heat it up and it's going to come off if it's, you know, heated up and it'll peel right off, I'm sure. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Hey, hey, Jonas, are you ready? Yeah, all this chat about being late, I guess I'm late. Well, I wouldn't say late. We... Uh, time is all relative, is what I'll say. Uh, did you do any uh, building, breaking, or learning uh, since the last successful show? And uh, 
was there any more follow-up from that uh, conference that you went to? Uh, no, not really. Um, not any follow-up from the conference. I uh, did get some printing done. I'm just about finished printing my keys for my keyboard. So that's coming along nicely. That's awesome. Uh, I did do a lot more looking into it. I don't want to sound snobbish, but if I do a keyboard, it's going to have to be a keyboard for down here. And I keep trying to think that I'm going to need the quietest, silentest keyboard, which uh, that isn't a real word. And everything I look at, I always end up thinking the only successful keyboard I'm going to be able to have down here is literally like an LCD touch panel keyboard. Because every keyboard, even the ones marketed as silent, and even the um, you know um, uh, keys that are marketed as silent still really ain't silent. I, I think hate my keyboard. I got the loudest keyboard ever. <laughs> I want to get uh, the uh, STLs for those keycaps. I want to print some stuff up. I feel like you're trying to solve this the wrong way, Dor. You just need to have somebody build you a soundproof box that you stick your hands in when you're typing. Like a glove box okay. with a keyboard in it. <laughs> I think the uh, MX with the round um, switch cap receptacle, whatever you call that, um, you can put little rubber grommets on that, and that should be super silent because they've got the ones that are just touch, so you you know you're engaged by the distance you travel, not by it clicking and feeding back necessarily. Yeah, if you get Cherry MX Browns, I think it is. I think it's the Browns without the little detent click. And you can either use little O-rings they sell or like um, the little rubber bands they use for braces and put them around the posts, and those are pretty quiet. Yeah, so you don't get the bottom out plastic to plastic hit yeah, with exactly. the rubber on there and and you can use any o-ring i mean just go to you know the hardware store and or auto parts store probably and get the little tiny o-rings for you know two bucks a bag full or make your son print them with the tpu there you go that too i like my keyboards loud and clicky i do too just not for podcasting it at work literally they used to have five people sit within 15 feet from me i got a mechanical keyboard Clickety clackety, yeah, they all moved. Nobody sits by <laughs> me anymore, and it's glorious. I love it. That's why I like it. Can you imagine ten people in an IBM Cube office all clicking and clacking at the same time? That would be terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was back when the machines would drown out any sort of keyboard, though. Yeah, you'd the hear the so dot loud. matrix printer going. Oh man. Not to mention music to my ears. So I love dot matrix printers. I, it beats the heck out of them old hard drives. Those things were so bad. Yeah, yeah, we put our printers in a box. So you took Liam's idea and you used it for the printer. Good move. Um, we got uh, some stuff in the notes here. Uh, Aaron, you, Nikki, Halloween. I don't know about you guys, but I did see a couple things that I'm not going to say inspired me, but damn it, they came really close to inspire me to want to do some sort of making for 3D. And the first thing was the wife went and spent, oh, I, I didn't want to know, a reef for the front door with skulls and bones in it. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, and I turn to my kid and I say, you do know that we could print any of these kind of things in a similar fashion, uh, uh, prime them, sand them, paint them, and add it to this reef to customize it. So if you wanted other stuff on there, we could do that. And his like, once again, he he acted excited for at least five seconds, but then went nowhere else. Um, and I have seen online more than a couple of things, but Aaron, you are actually moving forward with some holiday um, making. And what is it that you did? 
Uh, well, I'm actually in the process of cleaning, uh, cleaning up and uh, building it right now. But I um, found on let's see here on my uh, my mini factory, uh, and I have the link in the notes that uh, a giant Lego skeleton character, and uh, it sits about oh I don't know probably about two feet tall. And um, here's here's the head. I mean, you can kind of see the head. Um, I don't know if you can see the the picture on it, the face on it. There, there, much better. Um, but uh, I'm building uh, building all that right now. I uh, got uh, here's here's the lower part. Whoops, lost a lost a foot. But uh, that's the lower part of it, and it's got twenty something pieces to you know 3d print and everything and i uh, decide to utilize my works uh, 3d printer since uh, they're not using it and uh, got approval and <laughs> start printing out all my pieces for it um yeah i, I was going to do some printing um on mine as well but found out that my power supply took a took a dump uh a little thermistor inside of uh, the power supply uh, blew up, and so I just had to order a new one. Twenty bucks, you know. Uh, Zeal Tech had them. Uh, pretty much anybody has them, and went from there. So yeah, I'm in. I'm currently back to uh, the skeleton. I'm uh, currently building it, uh, making sure everything fits right. I'm gonna tear it all apart, and. Um, glue everything and then i'm going to spray paint it white and uh, put it in the window for halloween i think that'll uh, be good so uh, two quick questions uh do you roughly know how much filament it actually took and the actual print time that it took i do not it didn't seem like it took very much because we had like we i used uh, what was on there which was like three quarters of a roll of the orange zeal tech and I still have like half left, so a quarter of a roll, maybe. Oh wow, that's um, a lot less than I thought because that thing's huge. Yeah, that yeah, looked like the, a freaking roll of filament you'd use up. <laughs> well, and that's what I thought too. But most of the pieces, like the biggest pieces, are the head and the torso here, and then um, everything else is just small pieces you glue together. Uh, so it didn't. It wasn't bad. Most, let's see, the head and the torso by themselves were. 10 hour prints 10 10 something hour prints and then everything else i just threw on the bed and they were seven or eight hour prints because i you know put a whole bunch on tried to get it done at once kind of thing um you know here's three pieces of an arm so but, how yeah, much go ahead. infill did you do on that uh did i just you do did, it i just did 10 percent because honestly you're not really uh needing much more than that you know, the the structure seems it seems solid. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, it's uh, super solid. I mean, I could drop it and it would, uh, you know, be a okay uh, with uh, only ten percent. Well, it looks and, like it was designed to minimize supports, which I always like, and that helps with print time. Yeah, and, and uh, filament usage for sure. That absolutely, and the only thing that really, I'm trying to think, the only thing that really had any support was the head and that was just because of the you know the the beginning roundness part here um 
but everything else was very minimal support needed and uh, it printed really quick it, it got really good uh i'm quite happy well, with all the prints right now so i'm just excited to get it built and get some pictures going and uh and then spray paint it and i and i think that's a key thing that when you're building stuff you need to think about how much support do you actually need and how much infill do you actually need? How strong does that part need to be? It's a decorative piece. So infill isn't that important. It's just got to hold structure, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, I could, you know, I could have made this hollow, I bet. And it would have been, uh, because of the decorative uh, aspect of it, it, it probably would have been fine. I mean, it's got some weight to it. So once, even with 10%, once I get it all built, it's, you know, you'll be able to drop it, but you know, if it gets knocked over or whatever, I mean, it's it's not going to break. It should be totally fine. Do you remember what the wall thickness was when you did that? Ooh, like how many uh, layers? I think it was only two or three. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, this yeah. Is just a decorative piece. You're not going to be throwing it around or anything. You know, no, it's no, not no, going to no. be. You know, so to the save on filament, to yeah. save on filament, you don't need to do all the infill. You know. Yeah, and uh, you definitely don't. It turned out great so far. I'll uh, try to post some pictures here for you guys and for everybody else uh, just to see how it turned out. But I'm really yeah, happy pictures. with Yeah, I'm really happy with uh, how it turned out so far. And looking, I'm going to spray it with some um, uh, filler primer and uh, then some white. I might I actually, I have some uh, glow-in-the-dark uh, white that I might do, and then I'll spray paint uh, the black on the face, you know, for the eyes and the mouth and nose, because it has a little stencil that you fit over there, and you can uh, spray it, so that makes it nice, too. So on the uh, spraying, you might consider a silver after you do the filler. Um, silver does better for backing white than pretty much any other color. So what, do the filler, then silver, then white? Yeah, you're less likely to get bleed through from the orange if you go that route. All right, perfect. Thank you. So where this is an audio podcast, I want to tell people kind of what we're looking at. Yes, thank you. Well, it's, yeah, okay, well, let's try to explain here. Um, it is, if you know them, anything about Legos, it's the mini, um, one of the mini figures and it's the skeleton um, that has that's all white and has um, rib cage and all that showing. And the only thing it has for the face is, you know, just kind of like a, a smile and a couple eyeballs. And basically somebody has designed who is the let's see, the person that did it is Jason Sutter. And on uh, my mini factory and it's a oh by awesome is what it says so that's probably him and uh he designed it and it, it is i want to say i don't know the exact size but it is it is quite it's large. big like the head's like the size of a grapefruit so give you a like yeah a proportion for like a lego guy like it's probably like what a foot tall or something i don't know yeah, exactly. I I want to say it's over a foot. I'm I'm thinking like around two feet, like I said. Oh but, wow. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty good size. Um, let me. See. Yeah, altogether, I think it's at least two feet. End yeah. To end. 
Yeah, the Batman minifig I did, that was probably eight, seven, eight inches tall, and the head on it was dwarfed by the one you just held up there. Yeah, this so the so to give you guys an idea, the head of this is literally I don't know, probably the size of a softball. And I have not um enlarged it at all. It's the exact size, you know, print size. So I mean I honestly almost wanted to make one as big as I could to fit the print bed and just see what it, how big it could be, you know. I could probably do it 300%. Oh, man. Well, yeah. I mean, the CR-10 has a very big print bed. Uh, see, we don't... We typically say big print beds only... You know, you're only going to use them every now and then. What's the real reason to get a real, real big print bed? This is one example I can see where if you have a really big print bed, you can print something really cool because to have this guy sitting on your front steps during Halloween, no doubt, 90% of the kids that come up are going to completely freak out. Yeah. And that's the CR-10 S5 or whatever, the S4. S4, S4, S4. yes. So that's even bigger than the CR-10 you have, Dor. That's yeah. It's... A, he's got a bigger build volume, even bigger than yeah, you guys well, have. Oh, it's genetics. We can't, you know, let's not compare sizes. <laughs> it's all I'm in sorry, how you use I'm it. sorry. Size isn't everything. That's right. But and, well, helps. and I have... Yeah, and I have an FT5 as well, so that's got a pretty good uh, uh, print bed as well on it. So, no, it worked out really nice. Um, got everything done, and looking forward to print it. No, door, you know, it's funny you said that because I was looking to put it out on the front porch, so the trick or treaters. But then uh, somebody at work was telling me they're like, "Yeah, you might want to not do that because it might disappear off your." Um, porch so i'm going to put it in the window that's right by the front door you know i just had 75 bucks worth of pumpkins stolen right in front of my house this morning actually got a bunch of big pumpkins for the kids and everything and uh they were there this morning and it was while i was at home because i mostly work from home and um they they left me a cheap plastic gourd like a Halloween-looking gourd. Like, they stole three pumpkins. I didn't think you could walk that far. And they left the gourd. So my daughter, like, got some fake blood and a knife and stabbed the gourd and, like, puts his blood all over it and put it in front of the house and said, like, you're next, <laughs> I guess, for whoever, like, left the gourd and stole the pumpkins. <laughs> gotcha, yeah, gotcha. it was Chad. It was Chad. I saw him. I saw the pumpkins he got. Yeah, I, I, I can Chad tell you. Chad would have if... come in for a beer. Even if it was nine in the morning, and I'd have given yeah, him. I left you one. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I would have forgiven you for the pumpkins. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you if it was in my old neighborhood, little doubt that skeleton would only last like ten minutes. In my new neighborhood, we literally leave a bowl of candy on the front porch, go over to the kid's grandmother's house, my mother-in-law's house, spend the whole night walking around, come back. There's still candy left in the bowl. So I live in a weird neighborhood. Yeah, What's that's kind again? of my neighborhood, yeah, too. I never even no locked kids. my door, but I guess I should. Well, I mean, you're in Canada. Do they even have locks in Canada? <laughs> yeah. We have real. Plenty. I mean, come on. We it's have make-believe land. There's no Canada. Come on. Let's stop this silliness. <laughs> we have plenty of kids in our neighborhood, uh, so many that the county has said, no families with children can move into the neighborhood for like the last five or six years because we have too many kids. Um, the schools can't handle it kind of thing. 
Uh, you, you also had other adventures, Aaron. Your, uh, your power supply went up. Now, is this like a power supply, like a computer power supply? Uh, no. It, well, I mean, it does the same kind of thing, but it's not the size of that. It's a lot thinner. Um, for, let's see, it would be, for your CR-10, it would be inside your black box. Um, it is a giant silver, let me, right here. See, can you see that? See, super thin, all your main wires go into that end right there. And for the people that have only audio, uh, hopefully you know what your power supply looks like. It's the giant silver uh, aluminum box that has a fan and you know a lot of wires coming out of one end but so uh, so i'll say knowing you something tells me you, you might want to actually fix this instead of buying a whole a whole a whole new one at least in 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 the very beginning that was originally my game plan until i heard it something shaking inside and so i pulled it apart and uh, like I said, uh, we talked about it on Voxer, or I talked to Liam on Voxer. I don't know, remember which one it was, and found that it was a thermistor that had blown up. And uh, they're like a buck for five or six of them on eBay. Um, and I'll still probably order those, but for right now, I'm going to. Uh, solder in a jumper wire just to make sure that's the only issue with it and then i'll go ahead and order that up and then have it as a backup but i can i ordered a brand new power supply from Zealtech for the i had a discount so they uh i got for like 20 bucks but even without the discount it was 22 dollars. so and they shipped really quick to my house so i just did that for right now that's a pretty fair price i think um Along that lines, you can use a PC power supply to power the printers. I mean, it's it's just twelve volts. I mean, or yeah, well, I guess no, it's me. no, it's super easy. You're right, Chad. Uh, you there's videos on YouTube about it. You just cut, you cut a couple wires and then uh, jump. Um, jump a couple wires together so it, it knows it has has a load because it has to have a load to work properly the uh, pc power supplies other than that yeah it's plug, yeah. It's, it's pretty plug and play uh, my buddy did one uh at work for uh his a net which uh is now in his closet collecting dust i keep trying to get it from him yeah see on my a net i do have a computer power supply on it so that i the voltage that comes out of the power supply you get with the ANET isn't ideal. So I've put the computer power supply to it. So, And it's got fans. It keeps it cool. It's safer. It's just a better way to go. Yeah, and that, I, that was the same issue he was having as well. I actually keep a modded computer power supply around just for electronics projects. Just because it's like I got, you know, on tap 12 volts and 5 volts and stuff like that. You just, you know, keep one sitting around. All you got to do is make some cables, you know, um, and you can just plug that into whatever you're doing and then use it for something else when it, you know, when you're done. I think I That's picked a up a idea. cheap thermal take one from a Radio Shack clearance for like 15 bucks or something, and I've used it for the last four years. 
Well, it's a great idea to have an extra 12-volt power supply that's at the wattage that a, a computer's power supply is. I use mine. I have a couple of them, actually, and I use them for testing out products all the time, testing out things. So it's a nice little hack. To, got an old computer, tear it apart, pull the power supply, and make yourself a nice little 12-volt, 5-volt, and some of them have 3-volt, you know, it's... You know, it's a nice little deal. Yeah, usually you can get 12, 5, and 3 off of them. All right, well, um, a really quick question, Aaron. I'm pretty sure I'm correct when I say this. Uh, to the uninitiated who've never done this, working on a power supply can be a dangerous thing if you don't know what you're doing. No, I mean, only... <sighs> yeah, I guess it could be if you if you plugged it in wrong. But honestly... Like I said, you you uh, search um, power supply, 3D printer, um, and it is such an easy walkthrough video that I honestly don't think you could uh, screw it up. And it, what's going to come down to, it's either going to work or it's not going to work. I don't think you're going to burn anything up. And if you're afraid of that, uh, put in, um, oh, what was it? Uh, put in a... Um, uh oh i can't think of uh what to put it you put in a block in between i can't think of what the block's called though so i picked up one of these i just dropped a uh link in the chat there in the mobile chat it's a no wire option for doing this you just plug the 20 or 24 pin adapter into this board it has a power button on it and then you just have um your your three volt, your ground, your twelve, your five volt. Um, you even get the negative five and twelve rails as well. Um, you have all those with screw terminals, so you can just right there. It mounts nicely. I think they're I don't know eight ten bucks delivered. Yeah, yeah, that's a good breakup. Nice. Look at that. Someone buy one of these. That's right. Why would I want to do that? I'm just gonna make something. Yeah, this is cool. The um. um Title of the item in eBay is two uh, 24 slash 20 pin ATX computer PC power supply bench top power board module a um a adapter. I I think this is genius and cheap. That's the exact one I have. Um, I didn't get it from that guy. I I couldn't find the the local guy. I'm sure you could find him on Amazon too. But yeah, I mean, thing works great. And then you know you kill a power supply. You're not having to rewire something. You just unplug in one plug. Aaron, back on your power supply issue, um, <clears throat> if you've got an old surge protected power strip, there are thermistors in there. So you could probably take a couple out of there and see if they match up to what you've got in your other power supply if you're waiting on stuff to come to get you up and running and then put them back when you're done. Ooh, that's a great idea. Um, I could, yeah, I could, I've got a couple of those uh, laying around here somewhere. But I mean, yeah, no, the, I ordered the power supply and it's already here. It showed up a couple of days ago, but I like that idea just to uh, see if it works with uh, the old one. So I'll have to check that out. Thanks. Very cool. Very cool. Did you have any other uh, topics, Aaron? You know, I think I got everything. Yeah, I think that's all I have for uh, tonight, uh, Dor. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, going to do a quick email before going to the next uh, host on the show. It's from um, Christian. Uh, it says, hey, Dor, I heard about this link in a 
other 3D printing podcasts I listen to. First off, what is I have I've never heard of another one, so I don't know what he's talking about. Um, and I don't see a link in his email, so I'm guessing he pasted text from the link. It says it's worth looking at this link and perhaps remind everyone that 3D printing is not as safe as we sometimes think it is. I was surprised by both nylon and good old PLA. Most consider PLA to be safe and ABS needs serious ven- ventilation because it smells awful, but but PLA does put out some stuff too. Nylon is a bugger to print with it and it does not smell that good, but what it releases is mostly the stuff used in theater smoke or vaping and much lower concentration than smoke or vape smoke. Re, uh, re, uh, Regards, Christian, a.k.a. Captain. Now, where did I put that spool of nylon filament zero? Um, I will say these are the kind of things you don't want to really print anything in a completely enclosed area with zero ventilation and print a lot and be in that area for any length of time. You always want at least some level of ventilation. Uh, you know, you don't have to you know punch a hole in your wall and put a you know 12 inch fan through it for ventilations for most of the filament that I read, but ventilation in general, I think it's always good. I think sometimes we get a little overburdened with being too safe. Um, everything off gases, anything plastic is going to off gas either heated or we've all bought things from China that come smelling. And that's because they package them right after they make them. They don't let them off gas. And we get that lovely Chineseium smell. So I think there's there's a lot of worry over nothing type things. Yeah, I used to work in the automotive industry and like every plastic off gas is something. Like we actually used to have this thing called like the fog rating. It's like how much it would fog up the windows of a new car, like because of the stuff that comes out of it. And I'm sure none of it's great for you. But it's ABS people complain about because you can smell it. But anything you're printing is off-gassing, whether you can smell it or not. I mean, you're getting some kind of off-gassing from that plastic. So, like, normal shop practices, like if you're soldering, you have a little fan or whatever, you know, to blow the stuff away from you. Like, you know, you have a little bit of ventilation. Like, no matter what you're printing, whether you can smell it or not, if it's plastic, it's probably off-gassing something. And... We get too paranoid over it, but at the same time, you know, if you have normal kind of ventilation, you're going to be fine, you know? Like, if, like, cars are full of ABS, that's an enclosed small glass space, and, you know, the government's approved that and everything, and I guess no matter what you think of the government, you know, if it was killing people, you know, with cancer left and right or whatever, they're, you know, there's all kinds of off-gassing going off and everything that people never even think about. Like a new car, if you park it in the sun for like a month, you'll find this weird film on the inside of the windows, you know, from all the plastics and stuff like that. 3D printing is going to do the same thing. Like, you know, it's not going to be great for you, I'm sure, if you're sitting there breathing it all day. But if you got a printer in your garage and you got even the slightest little bit of ventilation, you're going to be less fumey than all the stuff in a new car, you know. So, I mean, if your windows aren't fogging up, you're probably okay. Gotcha, gotcha. M- makes sense. Uh, okay, um, Jonas, I uh, see some understatement of the year. Notes in the uh, doc for you. Uh, what do you want to talk about first, man? 
Oh, let's see. We'll talk about the uh, the new Prusa MK3 kit. I haven't looked at it this week, but it's got a lot of awesome features that I'm sure everybody wants. And it's only $50 more than the old kit. So it's a super good deal. It's got a, uh, a steel PEI painted magnetic sheet build plate. So you, you can pick up this little skinny plate of steel and bend it to pop your prints off of the bed. And it self-realigns when you put it back. Yeah, it's a spring still, and it's not. It, it's a coating of PEI. It's not a sheet, so it holds up much, much better. That that looks amazing. And then I think they went to 24 volt all over as well. Right. the The PEI is bonded to the metal, so it's not you know stuck on like you would get one yourself and stick it on your own printer. Do you While know? That, can you buy that separately yet? They said that they were going to start selling it. I don't know if they have done yet, but you know this is all new as of the New York Maker Fair thing, so I'm sure they're gearing up for all kinds of stuff. That, last, I, I say, that sheet alone to me is freaking genius. Last I saw, he was saying it is going to happen, but he doesn't want to because he knows people are just going to buy them and build their own or something to that effect. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're still doing all the open source everything anyway, so he's just he knows it's coming. He's it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. And then the other thing they've done is eliminated the X and Y and stops being that they control the platform top to bottom. They know what motors they're using. They're sensing via the, the current when you hit the ends for the end stops. And then that's how they're doing the uh, missed step detection as well. Yeah, they got voltage detection or feedback detection on them. The, the way they got that set up is just so cool. I've never seen that with stepper motors before. Yeah, I put a couple of links in there. There's a video. Tom Slanderer is, is doing a demo there, and he's pushing the, uh, the Y-axis you know, forcefully so it skips on purpose. The printer pauses. It goes back to home in one of the corners, waits a couple of seconds, fixes itself, and then goes back to printing exactly where it left off. That is crazy. And now, okay, knowing what little I know now, it to me just drives home when you pay for a Prusa, you literally are paying for quality. It isn't like you're just donating money to this guy. This is, he is the leading edge. He is the bleeding edge. And what he's putting out appears to be the highest quality printer for a unbelievably reasonable price. Yeah. And then the old version, the 2S is dropped a hundred bucks. Um, and I mean, that that's really it. You're paying them for what it's worth. They're pushing forward the clone market, which then in turn pushes them forward again and vice versa. Yeah, the clone market runs way behind on what Prusa is doing. But when you buy a Prusa, you're paying for that innovation of new technology. Because that reading the feedback from the motors, telling when it's skipping and stuff, that's Literally, I, I've known about stepper motors for, and I've been using them for 15 years, 10 years, 10, 12 years, something like that. And that's just never been an option. So they figured something out on how to, they're not really using any new motor technology. They're just figured out how to read the, and manipulate the, what's out there already. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the motor driver they've got paired up with the specific motors they they know the uh, not stall torque but stall voltage or current or whatever it is 
Um, so that's how they're doing that. And to be fair, it's going to do it on full steps. It's not going to be doing it down the, the micro steps, but that's better than a failed print or a shifted print. Um, they've well, also got the optical flow sensor for the, um, the filament. So it can tell is filament present and is it moving? Yeah. And that's, that's some tricky stuff they're doing there too, because that's just basically, they're just sensing it's there, but there's fluctuation or something. I don't know what they're doing there. That is super cool. Yeah. All that means too, that you get the automatic, um, change the color on the Z height operation without you having to do anything extra. So you could pause it, put another piece of filament in, and it will automatically go pick up where it left off, just like you ran out of filament. Because, you know, that have I run out of filament equation, you know, formula they have in there also works for that process. Well, there's so many other things that that, that, print, that printer's doing. I mean, it's got... It's it's remembering it's it's so if you lose power it'll go back to where it was it's it's so they're doing a lot of stuff with that printer yeah they they unplugged it live and then same thing with you know missteps it pauses for a second goes back it reheats to where it was and it goes back to the same position on the board what they're saying is because they designed this new board they're calling it ET board E I S S Y they're uh, you know, they retooled everything top to bottom. And uh, so what they're doing is as the thing powers out, there's enough power in the caps that they put in the board to save everything really quickly before it dies. And that's how it remembers what it's what it was doing when you put power back up again. See, that is genius. To me, this is proof. He not only designs these printers himself, but he uses them and he knows the struggles that he experiences and he's fixing his own issues, which is helping everybody else. Hey, so couldn't you, sorry, Liam, uh, could, couldn't you use that same kind of concept on uh, computers? Well, they already do. Um, that's how a hard drive parks the head. Power off detection, you've got the uh, existing uh, voltage from the generator that's in there that's the motor that's used to park the head. Also, pretty much every operating system has a thing that, you know, it will suspend if you're a certain battery power if you're on a laptop so that you don't lose everything. It's the same kind of thing. It's, you know, I'm about to die, so let's do a list up really quick. Well, they must be doing like a voltage drop detection. So... If there's a fluctuation in voltage drop or whatever, they must be detecting that and using what little power is left to save it to the, I don't even know if it's, yeah, what is that, uh, the EEPROM or whatever. Yeah, it's going to be the flash memory, whatever they use for that. The other thing you get when you're buying one of these is you're supporting... Um, companies like E3D and now Bontech because they're they've replaced the the mixtures they had with Bontech, so it's dual drive gears now. So you have a little bit better constrained filament path, so it should do flexibles better. Not that it did it bad or anything. Um, so you're helping those companies continue to be around and push their tech forward as well. And E3D is another one of those completely open source. And Bontech isn't cheap. They're, you know, they're high tech and I think you pay for it, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Bontech, uh, those, those are spendy. I mean, 
only going up 50 bucks is pretty impressive being that now they've got the 24 volt, um, the Bontech, their own in-house developed board, and they've switched to aluminum extrusion. Yeah, they're doing everything you could do right on that system. I always feel bad because I do buy the cheap Chinese knockoffs, but all they're doing is what like Prusa was doing five years ago. I mean, it's not, they're just, <laughs> they're so far behind, but I buy all these cheap Chinese knockoffs, you know, I don't know. I probably shouldn't. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a difference in buying something because you want it to be top notch. You want to support this, that, the other, and you want a good experience out of the box versus, Hey, I want a challenge. I want to build an $87 printer. Yeah, and you can tinker with it. And if you want to learn firmware code stuff, that's how you do it. You know, you buy one that doesn't have all the features and figure out how to make it and see if you can do it yourself. Very cool. I mean, I'm right now between us here. Uh, my main production machine that I'm using is a literal seven-year-old IBM ThinkPad T420. And I keep telling myself I'm going to have to buy a new laptop. I'm going to have to buy a new computer. I'm going to have to buy a new computer. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to buy a new computer next and really going to uh, do everything I can to get my kid more into the 3D printing. And then if I get him into that, I am very tempted to buy a Prusa printer now. Do it, Dor. Do it. You want to split custody on one? I'm not going to say no. Um, I, I would almost I would almost throw in a third on that one. That would be beautiful. Oh, so so who gets custody of it? Do you ship it around or because if we're gonna if I can have custody of it, I'll I'll be in on that too. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we would have to okay, in that aspect, we would definitely have to build some crate that we ship it around to everybody in, you know? If you okay. want in on this, Who's send your self-addressed stamped crate <laughs> to podnuts at podnuts.com. Liam said he'd pay for all the shipping costs, so that's great. We're, we're good there. That's really nice of him. And, uh, Isn't he, he can, such uh, a nice guy? He is. He's amazing. We'll get some steamer trunk stamps. So we'll have a stamp from every quarter of the, of the country. It's going book rate. That's all I'm saying. There you go. Book rate. <laughs> I'll Very see cool. you in uh, five weeks. Yeah. Well, no, it doesn't even ship until November. So, you know, that gives Liam enough time to save up money for shipping it to me. Yeah. And then he can print glorious Thor hammers. Um, do you have any more uh, links that in you want to talk about? In flesh color. In flesh color. Do you have any more links you want to talk about, Jonas? Um, I've got a uh, meshconvert.com, which is kind of interesting. If you ever find yourself in need of a uh, STL conversion. You can convert it to different file formats. I, for some reason, not a smart reason, but I got an STL file from somewhere, wasn't working right, so I thought, well, I'll take a look at it. And uh, I didn't realize that the STLs are actually usually in a binary format, um, but you can get an ASCII format. So I thought I could see the difference in a couple of different files with with that in ASCII and it's just so much gobbledygook code, even in ASCII, wasn't really worth the time, but uh, it's out there if you need it. Gotcha. It looks like it can take uh, more than just STL, but it can output in STL binary, STL ASCII, 
Colada, DAE, Wave Front Object OBJ, Stanford uh, Polygon Library PLY. Um, I will say I'm going to have to keep this one bookmarked only because um, I did try to use OnShape for a quick test. I went to grabcad.com, downloaded a Odroid C2 hardware itself, and I wanted to import it into OnShape and then build a thing around it. And when I either I was doing something wrong or when I imported the STL, all I got was basically the existence of an STL in OnShape, but I could not see the actual three-dimensional object. So I'm thinking I might have to convert it to a different format, or there were different download options. STL was the one I noticed, so I downloaded that. Yeah, Onshape does not handle STLs that way. I'm not sure what you can import other than an actual model file to get a 3D thing into the system. Um, I, I, I tried to do the same thing and didn't work at all. And it says on there that you can't it makes it as a document so you can package things together. If you're working on a project and you have this file and a PDF and an STL and something else, you can make that all one project so that anybody that looks at your project all has the same data, but it's not going to show you the 3D model from an STL file. I think it only supports like Step and IGIS or something. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's not very many things. So we can go on to uh, keyboards if, if you like, or if you had something else you want to talk about before I go into the long super diatribe here. Well, I will ask when we go into the keyboards, the main show you did your most talking about keyboards is the show that doesn't exist anymore. So uh, we need that thing first reverse just a little and say um, custom split keyboard um, that Jonas is making using, of course, pre-bought key switches, keyboard switches, but he's designing the enclosure for the split keyboard using uh, off the shelf and air quote boards on the keyboard putting the switches on that, and then custom printing the actual keys themselves. So this is not a simple endeavor, I'm going to say, yet it actually is, because it, it, it to me, isn't complex. It's just pieces, you know? Yeah, it's actually really super simple, because the case I did get off of Thingiverse, and that's kind of how I got started with it. I was looking at keyboard stuff and uh, started getting into it. And there's a real nice case that's a split keyboard, and I, I always wanted to get back to split keyboards. I have a a clicky full-size keyboard um, that's a, I don't know, it's a 60 or, I don't know, 80 key keyboard. It's got, you know, function keys, number keys, letter keys, you know, alt shift and all that stuff. And it's got a little pad of, you know, um, page up, page down, kind of keys, insert, delete, and arrows all separate on the keyboard. Whereas the, uh, the split keyboard, the actual name of it is called Let's Split. And it's designed by someone in the community, and they. Uh, it also goes by the name of Plank, P-L-A-N-C-K. Plank is the non-split version of the same thing. So basically, it's a um, one, two, three, six, twelve. Yep. Sorry, you put a couple of Arduino boards in there, and uh, you can control um, or you flash each Arduino separately for each half of your keyboard. And you can uh, basically have unlimited just about key layouts for these uh, 12 by 4 row of keys. So I've got a couple of links there. One is a build. Um, 
just imager group of somebody building one of these things so you can check out and see what the pictures actually look like. The next link is the GitHub reference to how to build one. So that link also, I didn't add links to the parts, but he's got references to places where you can get the parts for the thing. So the basics are things you have to buy are the circuit board. Um, there's diodes that go on the circuit board. You've got to buy those. This, the circuit board I bought came with these little audio jack things. It's like a four conductor audio jack. And so that's what links the two keyboards together. So you put a, an audio cable between the two keyboard halves and that joins them into one single keyboard. So you've got to buy that cord connector. And of course you need a USB cable to connect it to your computer. And it's a micro USB. And the other thing you need to buy are the keys themselves, which I bought Gatoron Blues, which are the most clicky of the Gatorons, but they're not the most, uh, I guess they're one level down from the most stiff, you know, requires the most force to press and activate a key, type of key. Um, and then the Arduino board. So there's two Arduino boards and they're Arduino Pro Micros, which are just little tiny circuit boards. They're about an inch by two inches. Um, they're about three or four bucks a piece on eBay. And that's basically it. You assemble all this stuff together and you've got a, your own clicky keyboard that you, you know, 3D printed parts for. It's pretty nice. I put uh, LEDs in mine. So I've got, I printed the case in clear, um, Zealtech clear PLA. And so I put a strip of six LEDs on each side. They're the WS2812's RGB LEDs. And so you, you can add all kinds of color cycling stuff to them. You know, you can do the, I put up a picture of the, uh, like the old Knight Rider, you know, left and right scrolling red light. So your, you know, your keyboard is Knight Rider, um, or kit rather. So all kinds of fun stuff you could do with this. Um, any questions or comments so far? I um, didn't realize it was an audio cable that was connecting the two halves because when they say split keyboard for the audio listeners, literally two completely separate pieces with two completely separate boards. You have uh, two of the micro con micro con um con um trollers, um, and it looks like there's basically a micro USB on that. So on the actual let's split board that the that the R that the Arduino connects to, you have an audio jack. You connect those two boards via an audio jack so they can co um, communicate. Then the Arduino out of the one is like the master side. You plug that and it goes right into your computer. So all you need is a regular USB uh, uh, end into a micro to uh, connect it to a computer. And I'm guessing this is just picked up like any other human human interface device. Yeah, they are. Yeah, the reason you're using the Pro Micro is because the Pro Micro has the USB chip in it, so it, it automatically gets picked up as a USB device. But um, the way you have your setup, do you have two um, Arduino mag uh, micros in there, or is it just the one? And that's... For this one, it's two. If, if I was doing just one solid keyboard, I would only need one. But because there's two halves you can actually program each half separately with its own key structure and use them independently. So you could use the left half, plug the USB in there and not even connect it to the other half and use it as its own little set of keys. 
and vice versa. You can plug your USB into the other one and do the same thing. And you can flash each keyboard separately with their own keyboard layouts. Yeah, they're recognized as two separate keyboards almost like, but yeah, each is just half a keyboard. But yeah, they, they're seen as, as separate keyboards, I think, by the system. Well, when you have them connected, it sees it as one keyboard. If you plug your USB into the left side, because they're connected with that audio cable, yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the data connection. Kind of the same thing, but you can plug one half in and the other half in separately, and it'll see them as two keyboards, or you can bridge them, and it's going to see them as one. Right. Another thing you can do is you can unplug the the left side, plug it into the right side, and you can actually set it up so that you have a completely different layout when you plug the, the cable into the other board, basically. And they would still connect together and you could still use them you know, as a normal keyboard. So you, you basically, the one, uh, there's, there's key map layouts that you program into it. And the first one I have has like four layers to it. And so with this setup, just the basic setup, you could do four layers on one side and if you flip your USB cable to the other side, you could have another completely different four layers. So, you know, you could set one up for gaming entirely, you know, four layers of different gaming keys and the other one for, you know, four different layers of work type stuff. So kind of similar, I slide a little bit in the show notes. Um, it's very similar to, you know, you have a control key and an alt key and a shift key on your keyboard now. Um, there are two extra keys, there's a lower and a raise. And so different combinations of lower and raise will get you shifted basically to those different layouts. So because there's only um, so many keys, there's 48 keys on this keyboard. You don't have the number keys active the same time you have the letter keys, unless you want that on your layout, because there's not enough room on the keyboard. So you have basically I have, the way I have this one set up is the outer ends of the keyboard are function keys and the bottom row is function keys. Everything else is letters. And then when you shift from one to the other, um, the letters become either numbers or other function keys like F keys or one of them I've got set up to change the LED um, you know, settings. You, could, you can go into different animation modes or just solid colors or change the color, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, we, um, I am able to show the uh, uh, video of the lights working on the keyboard. It looks really good. And then there's that one key that looks psychotic. Um, my question, though, is would you, could you w- want to actually put either indents on certain keys so it's more of a touch typing feel or actually indent what the key is on top of the key? Or do you just want to do it all by m- memory? Or would, you know, have you seen people put stickers or like paint? what the key is on top. Well, you can buy keycaps as a set and just put normal keycaps on because the switches are switches from a normal keyboard. So you could actually, I have a, a clicky keyboard in front of me. I could take the keys off of there and plug them on this and then I would have what I have. Um, the only custom thing you need to do is if you're going to do a bunch of layouts, what you can do is if you remember the old uh, Commodore 64 and Atari, they had graphic little characters on the front of the keys and also letters on top of the keys. Well, that's kind of the same thing. You'd want to print something like that on the sides and the top so that you could see you know, what you had on there. Um, basically, I just have a little cheat sheet next to me 
for the weird stuff that I don't use all that often. And so I can, I can glance at that and figure out what combination I need to do something weird. But otherwise, it's, it's pretty normal. Um, so, you know, there's shift keys and whatever. Um, I left that funky key on there because it still has a little, what they call the crucifix. It's a little cross hatch that connects the key to the keycap. And uh, I printed one key in uh, this bronze PLA and the print messed up. And so it completely messed up the top of it, but the bottom of it was still good and it still plugs in. So I just use it, that's my space key. So I've got a space key on each half of this keyboard. And then I'm a touch typist, so I don't really need to label my stuff. But what I did do is I have a different size, a different height key on the first letter of the home row. So I, I can touch and feel where my home row is. And I didn't have to have a detent, but I did have a different you know, physically sized height to know where my home row is. Um, and I also sculpted out, I, I found some, uh, again, some keycaps on Thingiverse and brought them into uh, Tinkercad and just cut a oval shape in the top. So I had a little bit more of a finger shape on the top because what, what I was printing, I wasn't printing, I guess, low enough layer height. And so you weren't getting the detail that the actual 3D model shows when you look at it on the Thingiverse. So I sculpted out quite a bit more so I could get a little more finger feel in the top of the keycaps and printed those. And so now I'm working through, you know, replacing all my old ones with, with that version of things. Very cool. Yeah, this is a really good, um, really good project. And it allows you, and I believe I said this on the law show, uh, we... Uh, who I think are like fans of the of uh, making and three D printing. You like to have your own thing. You like to customize your thing. Make it your own. There's few ways I can tell you to have a keyboard your own besides going through a process like this because everything else is just off the shelf and anybody else can have. So now you you are going to have your personal keyboard, which I think is awesome. Exactly. And it's all open source. So if you really want to dig into it and do something really weird, you can do it. Yeah, I'm a bit of a keyboard nerd. I've got an Ergodox keyboard and I'm wanting to build another one here soon. I want a machine and aluminum housing for it. But uh, they run off a, a Teensy board just in one half and you put them together with an audio jack. So you can't use them as independent halves. But you could wire one up to where you uh could but uh like the layouts you'll see online and stuff are all just using the one board and one half but uh it's great like especially if you're a touch typist like having the different layouts and stuff like that like the first week can be kind of painful learning it all but after that it's like my typing on a normal keyboard is actually slowed down because i've gotten so used to having one made like exactly for me <laughs> you know you get kind of spoiled but uh yeah anybody's into that uh those planks are really nice uh ergo docs is another good one to look into that one's not going to be for everybody because it's kind of a weird shape but uh but yeah they're uh i think you can do up to six layers or something on the ergo docs so it's like if i'm doing cad my keyboard layout is all keyboard shortcuts that's completely different from you know my normal typing layout or whatever but yeah, I want to get some of those keycap files from you and print print some keycaps. What I've been doing is um, I uh, like you know use detents on a couple keys, and then I got a row of wood keys that I ordered off a of Mass Drop, you know, just so I can kind of keep track of where I'm at. 
my WASD keys are wood. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind printing a whole setup. Um, maybe I'll have to model some up because the Ergodox keys, some of them are a little different. But uh, yeah, send me the files. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, have to get those put up somewhere. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, the layouts are pretty pretty incredible. Um, looking at this firmware stuff, it's exactly like doing firmware for the 3D printer. So you've got your configure.h file that you, you customize to, you know, set what steppers you have and temperature ranges and all this stuff. Um, basically, there's a bunch of defined statements to add all these different features. So to turn on the LED function, <clears throat> you've got to put a, you know, defined statement, RGB LED on, you know, equals yes or something like that, and all, all different kinds of things like that. But you can also do like you're saying for the CAD stuff, and you can actually define your own functions in the firmware to say, when I press this key, it kicks off this other function further down on the C code that does this, this, and this. Yeah, you could totally if, write if, macros if, per key if you wanted. Exactly. That's the word I was looking for. Macros and, you know, also you can just write C functions to do, you know, really crazy stuff. Actually, if you're not getting that complicated with macros and stuff, um, there's a, a company that's been commercially producing Ergodox, but they're sticking to all the open source stuff that has a configurator online. I'm not sure if they're compatible with the Plank keyboards or not. I think they, if they aren't, it's probably a firmware flash away from making them compatible. But um, they've got like this online configurator where you just basically drag what keys you want, what functions to be, and then download a config file and flash that to your keyboard and you're done. Yeah, I found a couple of links um... Dora might want to bring those back from the, the previous doc. Um, there's a, a couple of really good board design or keyboard design sites where you just go to the website and it has like 15 different basic designs. I think Plank is one of them, plus a bunch of other stuff. And I, I haven't had much success using it to customize anything myself. But those also, there's another component to that where if you design a keyboard, you can also design a circuit diagram that you can also send to people that make uh, circuit boards. You know, you can online order circuit boards and you can online order laser cut acrylic. And these sites kind of coordinate with those. So they'll give you a file that you can, you know, a, an Eagle file or a CAD file that you can directly send to these producers and for you know, less than 50 bucks, you could probably get exactly what you wanted and whatever, you know, wacky layout you, you could think of. Yeah, that stuff's so cheap now, not just for keyboards, but custom PCBs and stuff. You know, you can design something in Eagle now and get um, a board printed and sent to you sometimes for like as cheap as 20 bucks, depending on what it is. Like, it's just crazy. But, uh, yeah, I hadn't thought about doing that, getting like custom boards for keyboards because I could take it even farther. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of a keyboard nerd, but uh, yeah, I've been using the Ergodox for like two, three years now. And um, I, I've gotten to where using a normal keyboard's rough. <laughs> you get used to a split keyboard and it's really hard to go back. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad I went back to it because it, it's been fun. It's only been a couple of days since I've had it really working, but um, it's nice. So the last part of this is the sound. So I don't know who's old enough to uh, remember, but back in the IBM mainframe days, there were speakers in the keyboards. So instead of a beep coming from your computer, you didn't have a computer, you had a terminal. So the, the beeper was in the keyboard usually, and you can add a speaker to your keyboard and play music, tunes, or just uh, notes, depending on what function you're doing on your keyboard with this uh, firmware. So this one's got, um, by default, when you turn on the audio, when you change into audio mode, there's a tune that it plays. When you get out of audio mode, it, it plays a, you know, going to sleep tune, um, you know, if you enable that stuff. And then there's also, you know, when you change from one layout to another, you can have it play a tune for that. Um, I, I was thinking about using it to um, kind of like a caps lock where, you know, you have a little tone that plays for the duration that your caps lock or your unlock is on so you know what's going on on your keyboard with just a you know, little quiet tone or something. So that's my next project is I've got a little speaker here that's super thin that I found in a, uh, oh, an answering machine or something. And uh, so I'm going to play with that next. Very cool. I do remember them having uh, speakers and keyboards. And I want to say really all you were getting was almost like chip tune sounds, you know, beeps and buzzes and different tones of beeps. Yeah, the Arduino is an 8-bit processor, so um, you're going to get 8-bit sound out of it. But uh, another note yeah, here I had, all each, uh, each of these Pro Micros has 32K of memory. So you've got two in this one set of keyboards. So that's, you know, think about that, 64K of memory, you know, and everybody knows what a Commodore 64 is. Well, you know, you've got basically a Commodore 64 in your keyboard. Very cool, very cool. So one other last note about just Arduino stuff in general. Um, during some of this process, one day I was playing around with it, and I came back the next day and tried to flash my uh, Arduino board, and it wouldn't flash. And I looked at it for a second, and I realized I was using a completely different USB cable. Well, not all USB cables are data cables. So what I was doing is I was trying to flash it with a cable that was just a charging cable. So you can identify your data or charging cables usually by just plugging in like a uh, if, if you have it um, try to connect like a USB drive using that cable um, with an extender or something like that and figure out if that end of the cable is a, a data cable or not but yeah that can be frustrating if you're you're flashing something one day and the next day you're not because you're using a different cable well guess what you're, you're probably not using data cable and that's about it for keyboards. Let's see if anybody has any questions. Very cool. Uh, first, I'll, I'll let everyone know, if you go to the notes, you can look at the pictures of these keyboards. Uh, I really like that imager post showing you the phases of the process of building it kind of thing. And then we have pictures from Jonas and a couple of videos of the LEDs going off kind of thing. Uh, th th this is just a really, really cool project. Uh, I'm not a fan of the split keyboard, so I'm going to take a look at that plank and see what kind of stuff I can do with it. Yeah, if you want something minimal and you don't want the big giant keyboard, I think the plank is pretty pretty nice way to go. 
Very cool, very cool. Um, we're going to do a real quick email here before we get to uh, chat here. Um, and it says, uh, this is from Carl. Um, uh, the uh, subject is makers keep your filament dry. It's a uh, product a announcement from 3DERS.org. Uh, he says, it is something to keep your filament dry and clean. No feedback yet on whether it works or it is a waste of money. Um, this was well over a week ago he sent this because in typical fashion, I'm very behind my emails. Uh, but it looks like that ceiling lid um, type Rubbermaid thing that Aaron had only smaller. looks like it's like perfect shape and size for filament. It looks like they want... Um, a pack of six of them, 38 bucks, so just over six bucks for each one, which doesn't sound crazy to me. So why don't you, why uh, wouldn't you just go buy round Tupperware? Uh, or one gallon um, Ziploc bags work too. Ooh, I like their little dehydrator. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that kind of looks like Liam's thing from a couple weeks ago, but uh, maybe a little more specific for that. Yeah, I do like how, the how does the Liam's how does Liam's compare? Is he still on? Yeah, I'm still on. That's the exact same thing. It's just rebranded print dry instead of whatever brand I got it for. Um the only difference is the containers on top. Those are specifically made to sp- fit a spool, whereas the ones I have are meant for fruits, veggies, whatever I want to put in there. So I just double stack them and then uh cut out the bottom of one, which for the price difference, yeah, I mean, you could get two of the ones I have for the cost of what they're asking for that thing. Um, the print dry or the uh, the stacker storage containers, they look like, like in that second picture, it looks like there's holes there that you'd be able to place it on top of the dehydrator with. So I don't know if these are, I don't know, is this different lids or what the deal is. Yeah, I can't tell if there's holes in any of those or not. They must be. Yeah, I'm uh, watching the video now. Yeah, if the lids are just normal lids, and then, you know, to me, it's just a convenience thing to uh, not have to use Ziploc bags. It's almost appearance. Do you you like your work area to be pristine, organized, and, you know, looking like it belongs? Or are you like most of us who just care that the stuff works and it isn't dying? I love the idea of the um, actual um, dryer, like the food dehydrator type thing. Uh, I can see that being very useful. Is it just me, or did they not go far enough with this product? Um, they could have put a hole or like a spin, like the holder in the center, and make it so in a rubber gasket, so you could actually pull your filament out of it, so you never have to take it in and out over there. It just doesn't seem like it's fully formed product. Yeah, I'm with you. you. Know I just I watched mean? the video, and that's all it is. It's just storage that's round. Um, what if it was storage, but you could just throw it onto a holder, and then you've got filament, and when you're done with it, you roll it back into it, and you store it. You don't have to ever take it out of there. That, it looks like it's Tupperware. It just looks like a, a locking Tupperware case. Yeah, I think you have the problem of, though, different widths of spools, and then, you know, bearings are expensive. Well, not expensive, but... For them to put bearings together in a thing that holds every kind of filament with axles and whatever, that might be a little much. I mean, people, you know, it's, it's going to be, you know, two or $300 instead of 100 bucks. 
at that point. But it would definitely be better, that's for sure. Yeah, and and we all know everything appears on Kickstarter, whether or not it's actually useful or will become real. So it's just uh, one of those Kickstarter things. Uh, thank you for the email, Carl. Thank you for the email, Christian. I am doing better in marking my emails and remembering to actually bring them to the show. So uh, don't forget to send your emails to themakers at podnos.com. Uh, Chad, you want to talk uh, about some things you've been doing? Yeah, so <clears throat> this kind of goes along with the email thing. Um, so there was a guy that um, commented on one of my videos that was on the Makers um, uh, channel, and he had a laser he had bought from eBay or Amazon, and I've got the link in there of what he bought, and uh, he was having problems with it not firing correctly. And I guess I just brought it to the show to talk about that we do see the stuff that you guys comment on the videos, and although I don't have this laser, I was definitely willing to help him and troubleshoot some of the issues he was having. Um... I don't know if he's got it um, fixed yet. He couldn't get a hold of the seller um, at the time. And what it, what was happening is these diode lasers need 12 volts to fire completely. And he was only getting 5 volts out of his... Um, I think it's an Arduino Uno or something. I don't remember what Arduino base it's based off of um exactly but he wasn't getting 12 volts out so it's not going to fire at full strength and uh helped him kind of troubleshoot and find that out um but my basic point is we do see what you guys put up on if you guys comment on the videos and stuff and we are most of us are willing to spend a little time and even if we don't have that product to help you guys out. So if you send emails in, we're going to, some of us will take the time and most of us will take the time and research, help you out, you know? Um, and then I, um, had that, I had bought a Delta printer and it came in with the wrong, wrong sized, um, base and different things. And, I've been dealing with that. The eBay seller, I'm not going to put the information in on this one because he did the best he could. I mean, he sent me out new new parts and stuff. He was a decent seller. It just, I didn't get the right software with it. Um, I tried to build it originally as you would build it if you bought it. The normal person bought it and just build it as you're getting it with everything that comes in the box. Well, that didn't work out so well. <laughs> um, it was the wrong, wrong size and different things. And he sent me all the right, right parts, but I never got the right software from him. And which is fine. I ended up getting the newest Marlin firmware and putting it on there. And I think it works. I haven't had time to actually do a first print, but it has went through the calibration settings and whatnot. 
and uh this is the fl sun uh delta printer and it is a very difficult build at least what i've got it is three weeks now i think i'm into it i believe yeah and oh my oh my it has been nothing but I've had to walk away from it so many times because, well, not just that the wrong parts were sent with it, but it is a tricky build. And I've built a, uh, ANET A8. I would do that a hundred times before I build another one of these. To calibrate it, to get everything to work right, I've had to tear it down three times and re-put it back together to get everything to line up right. I mean, you have to build it on a perfectly level spot, too. I mean, you can't just build it and put it on a level spot. You've got to... It is tricky, and it's still not perfect, but it's getting there. And I will keep you guys in... I will, as I'm going with it, I will inform everybody on the show and bring it to the show as I do more, but Delta printers are tricky. Um, especially this one, because none of the, the board, nothing was labeled. What, what cable goes to where? So like for the average builder, it's, it's a difficult build. I mean, if I was going to say like the a net, it's, it's a long build. But it's super easy because it's all labeled. Everything's there and it works. You put an SD card in it and it just works. You know, you, you can print right off of those cards that they give you. This thing, it took... <laughs> I spent a week on just getting um, Marlin confirmed or configured so that it would um, le- do the bed leveling. I mean... It's tricky because you've got multiple variables that I've never dealt with, being that I've never done a Delta printer before. So, just saying out there, if you're looking for a challenge, pick this thing up. <laughs> it's a good challenge. It's it's fun. I'm Not that I'm not having fun building it. I'm having fun. But... It's not something you're going to pick up, put it together, and, and print parts. It's just not. There's, I had wires mixed up because there's no labeling. You just kind of got to know what's going on with it. And uh, I should have bought a CR-10. <laughs> 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 you know, uh, I could have had five of those things built in the time that I've been building this Delta printer. I mean, it just sits here and... It's like a little statue. My dad comes over and he's like, "Oh, that looks, well, that's cool looking and stuff." I'm like, "Yeah, it looks great. It don't work yet, but it looks great." <laughs> so, so, how long do you think um, before you're gonna get it up and going? Is it gonna be one of those things that's gonna take a few more months? Well, I wouldn't say months. It's it's been a lot that I've had a lot of other things going on too. I've been. Uh, customer work and um, other projects. I've just been working on this filling in time type deal. So realistically, I've been, I don't know, hours wise, I probably have, it took longer to build this than it did to take to build the uh, 
a net though it really did but i've got at least 10 to 12 hours into getting the software the firmware to work right um it's been difficult so, so is that because there's just no reference for this particular brand of machine or you have to put every stepper motor configuration in there and figure out which ones actually work is that because i know there's you know marlin has templates for existing stuff is this just something that's not mapped and you've got to figure out how to map it properly um a little bit of that and supposedly there is software that works with this size of the machine i went with a larger bed plate the build plate was is bigger on this one it's it's a it's bigger than what their standard version is um and the sell the ebay seller did not give me a link to their software he couldn't i don't know he just stopped communicating with me so i don't know yeah you got your money well no i'm not going to say that because he did send the parts all the parts were sent that weren't in the original package that needed to be there to make this work so i'm not saying that i don't want to do that to the guy um I just, I don't know if, I don't know if somebody else has the software and it works great, but to configure the Marlin, which isn't hard, it's, it's, it's basically just a Delta printer, it, you know, with, um, um, no, I don't know what the heck I'm thinking here, but it does touch off on the Z and stuff. So it can calibrate itself if you have the right software and getting the software to work in Marlin, you have to be very close. You have to be close to the Delta radius that it prints on because there is a radius configuration that you have to figure out and stuff. And without any of those numbers, it's difficult because you just got to put them in, put, put a number in there, you know, 150, millimeter radius and see if it works and if it doesn't it doesn't and then you got to retry it so i must have flashed the firmware 40 times on this thing already because every time you got to flash the firmware you can't just um go in and change that radius because once the radius isn't doesn't the delta radius doesn't go into the eprom on this version or something i don't know it was very difficult to do <laughs> i ended up finding a number that worked and then it did everything just fine and now it seems to be good i just haven't had time to print a part um but my uh conclusion on it is it is not for the beginner <laughs> or even the beginner of somebody that's going to start working with a delta printer but well, I'm sold. Um, I'm yeah. not getting that kit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe if I get all the stuff worked out and down the road, and then I can just send you the file or whatever. Great. But and once I get it all dialed in, I will put it online somewhere, and I'll let I'll put it up here so you guys all know. Once it's all dialed in, the numbers and what you need to know on building this thing because. It is a good machine, it looks like, 
but if the software's not there, what good is it, you know? All right. Well, uh, stupid question. And this is just a, I'm going to ask you to guess because I'm going to guess you don't know, but I know you know more than I know. So uh, educated guess. Um, for our 3D printers, we have a clear X, Z, uh, Y, and Z axis. So what we do is we print a test cube with a clear X, Y, and Z axis. Because this is a Delta printer, uh, radial printer is the way I keep thinking of it. Are you, should you then try to print a test cylinder? Uh, would that be more appropriate for that kind of device? Or would you still try to have it do the normal type of uh, 3D printer test? No, I mean, once you slice it in in the uh, board, it's going to do all the math. You're going to send it the same style of G-code. It's going to be all the same style of code. And it does the math in the machine to know where it is. And that's the difficult part is to give it the right parameters so that it knows where it is. Um, Marlin, on the latest version of Marlin that came out, oh, I don't even remember what version it is, but they do have an auto calibration for the Delta printers built into it. And they do have an FL Sun Mini, all the right numbers you need for the Mini or for the, the smaller version of this, but they don't have the numbers for the expanded version. So this thing may have been great, may be great if you get the standard size one but i got the bigger build plate uh the bigger oh you gotta go bigger you know <laughs> but there's no information i can't find anything online about what numbers you need to plug in to make it work so it was just trial and error trial and error trial and error um right. that's i'm gonna guess it was a combination of things bad timing in the purchase maybe if you would have waited three or six months and it would have been a more e um e uh, established device it could have made the whole process easier or just a more informed seller could have also helped the process i mean if he would have told you when you were buying this that you know this is new not everything is known about it at least you would have known what you were getting into beforehand yes but there, even the when you go and you search FL Suns, try to get any information from them or anything on. There's like no information out there because they've kind of they've went to another version of this printer that's more plug and play. So, but it's way more expensive. It's <laughs> like four times the price. Um, I just. I don't know if I would have got the right software. Maybe it works great. I don't know, or the right numbers. All I need is the the seven. Or there's like six different number, different measurements that you need to have really precisely put in there, and I didn't have those, so it was just guessing game. You know, just guess. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Um, you have another link in your um um notechev here. Uh, and it's about. Um, it looks like you're re you want to repurpose a uh, what looks like a keg. Um, no, that there is a link in there that goes through on how to make an electric uh, brew kettle, so that you're not using propane. It's all electric. So I I took some of the information from that, and I'm building. I'm taking the 
well, I'm going to start making beer. I don't know. Start making my own beer, I guess. And um, what I'm going to be doing is taking a kettle and putting basically hot water here elements in it. And so I don't have to use propane. I can cook inside. I don't have to take it outside to cook or anything. Um, and that's what I've been working on. Um, my next about an RV. You can get an RV, huh? Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. They'll make a TV show about me, I guess. No. <laughs> but basically building the electric kettle, you can buy electric kettles, you know, for boiling your mash and stuff and doing all the stuff. But, um, I just figured what the heck I'm a builder. Let's build it. And coming to the conclusion that maybe I should have just bought one because <laughs> I don't think it's any cheaper to build your own because you can find them out there pretty reasonable. Um, but I build things, so I'm going to build it. Yeah. I'll say, uh, looking at this, uh, in, in, um, in, um, Structables article, I'll say hands, uh, uh, hats off to the guy. He documented this pretty damn good. But that also comes with the caveat, yes, this, this, this does not look easy. This does not look simple. This does not look quick. 240 volts and 24 amps. That is a monster kettle. Okay. I'm not going that route. I'm taking two different, I'm, I'm doing two elements, and they're 120 at 1650, 1650 watts. And... Hopefully, the way it'll work is I can shut one of them off, run one of them, or run both of them at the same time, whatever I need to. Um, I'm going to try to get that all built yet this weekend. <laughs> and I'm hoping to have some beer by Thanksgiving. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I don't think you can keep beer in your house that long. It takes a month before you can drink it. Well, at least a month, yeah. Oh, I thought that was pretty big by the look of it, but it's, what is that, three or four gallons, or is it five gallons? The one in the Instructables is a 15-gallon keg, I think is what he's got there. Um, but I, yeah, but I just basically put that in the, you know, because that's one of the, put that in the notes because that's one of the Instructables that I looked at to do what I'm doing, but I have... A little different setup because I have a lot of the stuff just sitting around that I've used in other projects. So I'm going to tear some of my old projects apart and reuse the stuff. Well, I have a fridge, so if you have any extras, you know where they can go. I'm only going to be making five-gallon batches, so that's only a little over two cases of beer. So I don't know. I don't know if I'll have any extra. <laughs> so so what you're saying is that you're going to have to get a, a second or a third one? Yeah, we're going to have to do multiple batches, I think. <laughs> it's me my nephew, me and my nephew are going to be doing this. It's He's kind of deciding what we're going to brew, and I'm doing the picking out the kit and making the kettle and different things. So the maker stuff I'll do. He's going to decide the flavor of beer. <laughs> gotcha. Just no cranberry pumpkin spice stuff. I don't mind the pumpkin beers. I don't cranberry. I don't think I'd like, but 
once a year you can make a pumpkin beer. What the heck? Oh, okay. Um, spicy, not sweet. Only once a year. Only yeah, the spice, not the sweetness. Is the spice? Yes. If you poison it, sure. Hey, you can't just drink one kind of beer all the time. Well, that's true. I think Mister Beer was a gallon or a gallon and a half, but that made so much beer. It was me and a buddy, and it took us forever to drink that beer. And then we got tired of drinking the same one, so we, you know, rotated out. But still, even then, still had to give some away. Oh, I plan on giving quite a bit away, you know. So, yeah, I've already, a lot of people are like, oh, I got I want to taste the first batch, you know. So, all right. Oh, well, so, so. trust me, you give them the first batch because the first batch probably won't turn out right. Hey, what are you trying to say, Dor? I'm trying to say I've done it, and the first batch typically doesn't come out right. Oh, I think you're just just being negative on me it, it, it's just you know you got everything has to be completely sanitary and you have to do things absolutely right or else uh the earlier the error the more dramatic the effect the first pancake always goes to the cat exactly um hey liam you have a uh, youtube video here that you would like to discuss uh no that was more for aaron and his uh PSU woes, I believe. Um, I've just got a couple quick things. We were talking earlier about the TPU and shirts. And uh, I discovered quite by accident that TPU does just fine in a washer-dryer cycle. Um, went to an event uh, last weekend, weekend before, whenever it was, where I'd printed out a whole bunch of those gate favors and... Uh, we went to the event, so we got one. My son picked one. He picked the, the green TPU one, and it disappeared into his pocket. And I just pulled it out of the dryer yesterday, day before, and it perfectly fine. So that's that's kind of nice with the TPU for the, the shirts and whatnot. Um, on the Halloween and holiday thing, TPU is great for window clings. You just get a real nice, clean glass bed print on it. Um, I was just it, about to ask, are there anybody doing window cling stuff? Yeah, let it let it cool down, peel it off there, and man, it sticks to anything. <laughs> anything remotely smooth, it'll stick to. Um, same with PLA even. PLA will quickly scuff up and lose that ability, but still worked really well. And then the final thing I really have is if you're having issues with something, ask for help. My uh, my CR10, I got I had the easy ABL kit from uh, Tim Hoogland, TH3D, um, and it just was not working. It would work, and then it wouldn't six, seven times, and then it would work, and then it wouldn't multiple times. So finally, I I, I said, you know what? Let's, contact a guy and he worked with me we worked on it oh several hours over two or three days and finally he said well ship it to me i'll do some testing and see what I, what comes up shipped it to him he did some testing tested okay for him the uh, replacement came in oh a week ago two weeks ago maybe and i finally got around to getting it installed today and uh man no problems that thing's printing beautiful so whether it was an issue between my firmware and his equipment or whatever, swapping it out, fixed it. Just it just had to be bounced around and shipping a little more. 
Well, no, it was a replacement one. It was a different one. Did you turn it off and then turn it back on? Ah, you know, I didn't try that. But then when I look back on it, I think, well, has there been really anything I've gotten for printing that hasn't had some sort of initial failure? So why should this have been any different? But it's working like a champ right now. So right. Well, did you all if you're having problems, it? reach out. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Okay. Yeah, good old Cherubino burping laptops. Yeah, I swore by it. Yeah, he did. I should have sent my printer to Liam. Or maybe, did you order one and I get yours, Liam? You know, that might be it. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool, very cool. Um, Okay, here's what I got. It's really only one thing, and and it was something that I'm sure, without sounding too stupid, that you guys would immediately have recognized or known, and I really didn't. Um, I printed this Thingiverse wallet out from uh, Pentland Designs Publishing, a slim wallet. All in one, everything was already fully assembled during the print. Didn't have to put anything together because I tried to print it twice in separate pieces. And every time I tried to put it together, it fractured and broke. Um, basically, about a uh, two-thirds of the way down, it started to basically fracture. And then it just came into two pieces. Um, what I did was I reprinted it, but I put it into my slicer. And right by its default configuration, it can basically hold about five cards. So I said, I want to hold more cards than that. So I increased the access, the one access to just increase the thickness of how many cards would fit in by 100%. So I went from 100% to 200%. Here's the real benefit I got out of it. Because of that, now the walls where I believe the actual problem happened are much thicker, which I didn't even realize. Yes, it increased the thickness of the hole in the middle to fit the cards in but also the two exterior walls that are the biggest are also now thicker so now i believe this wallet is going to last much much better yeah and um there's a a little like a sheen a shine to it i don't know if it's going to come across in the video or not um which um i can tell you the, the very first time i bought it or the very first time that i did print it um there was almost a slight crack where it eventually broke. And this time when I print it, it seems like pretty even, pretty consistent, pretty fair. So I'm believing this time it's actually going to print really well. But of course, the first thing I did was I tried to uh, stress it a little bit. And as soon as I did, this very little bit came off because I literally ran out of filament on this print and I could not have planned it better. It literally ran out on like the last one or two percent of the actual print. So I'm happy about that. Could not have planned it better. Uh, this is the kind of little stupid thing I like carrying around because my wallet is too big. This forces me to hold less cards than I usually carry. So I think it's a good thing. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of the functional print. Dory, you got to have less money. If your wallet's too big, you have too much money. <laughs> you you going to give us a little demo there, Dory? Uh, no, because I still haven't been able to pop it to where it will actually push the cards up. So I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I'm being gentle. I don't want to fracture the thing in pieces when I try to get it open. There's a little hole in the bottom. I've been able to stick uh, like a pen in there and try to push it, but it doesn't seem like it's breaking free from the bottom. And when I look inside it, I don't see how or where it's sticking. And I don't, I'm just a little bit afraid that if I, give it a little bit too much force it's just going to give way and break what was the material and the the speed and the temperatures you're using uh zealtech 
transparent blue, PLA, 185 was the temp. How fast were you printing that at? Um, just the standard print speed. I didn't increase it or 50, 40. I want to say Liam said the default was 50. Can you hold that up again, Dor? It's pretty shiny for those settings. I would think going a little hotter might be an option. I mean, that seems kind of cold to me for run Zealtech. Well, I'm just seeing some of the lines in there. Maybe they're just magnified by the camera. No, I don't know. no, I do see lines, and on the previous print, I I saw lines, but I honestly think they were more distinctive. They were they stood out even more. Can you show like show up the bottom there where it's the those slots are? Well, the bottom is almost transparent. It's kind of crazy how thin that the bottom is. Um, that's why I'm a little bit scared to f- try to force it a little bit too much because it, it, it is, I can, I mean, cause it's transparent filament. Yes. But it looks like it is super crazy thin on the bottom. So is that printed vertically standing up or laying on the side? Yeah. Uh, printing, uh, standing up. So there's no support when it prints, but you said you scaled it up in the axis to make it thicker. I wonder yeah. if that didn't change the um, something in the mechanism there. Honestly, it wouldn't shock me, and that's why I'm a little afraid to go, uh, you know, completely um, barbaric on it and force it. Well, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. So you gotta make it work, right? Or it doesn't work. Well, I mean, I don't need it to physically uh, push the cards up. Um, to be honest, I just I just pull the cards out, use the card. You know, it, it, it isn't the end of the world. Yeah, I guess not. But Well, yeah. what I'm going to do is when I get the next filament lined up, uh, ready to roll with the PLA, I will probably try to force this in, but it breaks, just print another one because you can always print more. And I will, then if I do try, uh, Aaron, you said uh, a little bit warmer. So I'm going to guess 185, jump it up to like 195 maybe, or I, I, I shouldn't go up to 210 yet, right? No, I would probably say I was getting so I printed um the Lego guy at 200 even and I had real good luck with that. So yeah, 195, 200 something right there which should uh, really help you. Roger, Roger. That the the higher temperatures would help your layer adhesion, you know, from layer to layer. Um I don't think it's going to solve your problem of it not pushing out not the mechanism not working correctly. I would try reducing the extrusion multiplier just a tiny bit and see if that does something because that usually helps if things are sticking together a little bit too good on small pieces or things that are just a sliver away from each other. Uh, what was your layer height on that? I believe it was 0.2. Okay, so that's pretty standard. Um, yeah, like Jonas was saying, you may have your extrusion multiplier maybe off a little bit if it's not coming apart i'm thinking yeah lower the, the extrusion keep the temperature the same and print you know 10 percent of it and see what it looks like roger roger but he he did have part of it break off so but you're saying that was towards the end of the filament yeah so, yeah i don't know gotcha gotcha yeah um okay guys i will say thank you guys for coming out uh do not forget, people, if you want to support this show directly, you can go to patreon.com slash themakers. 
Uh, that's where you can watch all the shows live. Uh, we are also looking at doing some dedicated content towards that. Uh, if we have Patreons, we will do it right now. No Patreon. So you have the opportunity to be the first Patreon. And I'll say, if you're the first Patreon, we or I will ship you something. Stickers or magnet, something. Something. Uh, maybe a printed coin of some sort or something. Some laser engraved wood sculpture. I don't know. Oh. I'll send you my box of scrap. Oh, goodness. Perfect. Uh, with that, guys, I want to thank you guys for the support. Please don't forget also, click on the notes. Uh, you can look at all the uh, links to everything that we talked about, all the pictures that we were talking about, and you can send us an email directly from there at themakers at podnuts.com. And with that, we will talk to everyone in about a week. <laughs>